Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. We have been going through in the last quite some time, we've been going through Hebrews, and we are getting close to the end of the book. 13 chapters, we're on chapter 9. We're going to be looking at chapter 9 today. Don't know how far we're going to get, um, but we're going to do what we can do here. Chapter 9, <clears throat> chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 9, if you're in the Red Bibles, it's 1045, again, Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Then indeed, the first covenant had ordinances for divine services and an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was made. In the first part of the tabernacle, called the holy place, there were there were in the holy place were the candlestick, the table, and the showbread. Behind the second veil was the second part of the tabernacle, called the most holy place, which contained the golden censer and the ark of the covenant, overlaid with gold, containing the golden pot, holding a manna. Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Concerning these things, we cannot, we cannot now speak in detail. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests would regularly go into the first part conducting the services of God. But only the high priest went into the second part once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was signifying through this that the way into the most holy place was not yet revealed because the first part of the tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time showing that the gifts and sacrifices offered could not perfect the conscience of those who worshipped. Since they were concerned only with foods and drinks, certain er, cer cer ceremonial cleansings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. But Christ, when he came as a high priest, of the good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not with this, not of this creation, neither by the blood of goats or cat and calves, but by his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having ordained eternal redemption for the blood of bulls and goats. And the ashes of the heifer sprinkled and sprinkling the unclean sacrifices so that the flesh is purified. How much more shall the blood of Christ, 
who through the, through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to, to serve the living God. For this reason, he is a mediator of the new covenant, since a death has occurred for the redemption of the sins that were committed under the first covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promise of an e e eternal inheritance. For, there, for where there is a will, there must also be necessity be, by, be the death of the testator. For, I, for a will has force after men are dead. Since it has not, no force at all while a tester lives, so not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when Moses had taught every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the, of the goats and calves with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God has commanded you to keep. Likewise, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and the vessels of worship with blood. And according to the law, almost everything must be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Father, open our hearts today. Minister to us. Bless us by your spirit. Help us to see the truth in this. Help us to see the, the symbolism of the old covenant into the new covenant and in life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Help us to understand, help us to, to apply it to our lives, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The writer of Hebrews here is talking about the setting in the Old Testament covenant, the laying out of the tabernacle, the laying out of what was in there and, why, and what was the purpose of it. He's talking about the, the things and why they were there and what was there and the purpose of them. And then he goes into Jesus. Verse 11, But Christ, when he came as a high priest of the good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is to say, not of this creation, Neither by the goats, neither blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Now look at this for a moment. You look at the tabernacle. Now God instructed the people, the children of Israel, Moses, how to build that tabernacle, what to build it out of, how big it was supposed to be, how wide it was supposed to be, how tall it was supposed to be what kind of wood they were supposed to use, what kind, of, uh, what kind of coverings they were supposed to use, when they were supposed to go into the holy place, when they were, and he talks about that in here. But with Jesus Christ, he was the perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands. Why does it say that? Because he was not conceived of the natural way of human. He was imputed to Mary or imparted to Mary through immaculate conception. Therefore, he was not made with human hands, so to speak. 
He was not of this creation. He was of the creation of God, thereby being perfect. In the Old Testament covenant, their sacrifices had to be, what? Goats and bullocks and, and lambs without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Had to be absolutely perfect in order to be accepted by God. And those two were also made of this creation. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was not made of this creation, and he was perfect. Thereby, because of that, he could go in to the most holy place by his own blood. Because of that reality, that he was not made of human hand, nor was he made of this creation. And he was perfect. He was blameless, without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. That's why he calls him the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God, because he was perfect. We've been watching, um, as devotional time with the kids, we've been going through a um, devotional series on YouTube called, it's from, from Saddleback Church, and I don't know where that's at, but it's called Saddleback Kids, and we've been going through the times of Jesus' life through this. And it's interesting how we're talking about this today, and we talked, we, we talked about this last night with the boys. But Jesus, Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice. He did not come to just cover our sin. You see, if he just came to cover our sin, we'd still have an altar outside and we'd still have a, a barnyard out here with lambs and sheeps and, and goats. But he didn't come to do that. He came to cleanse us from the inside out. Not just cover, but cleanse. And we can have that reality today. We can have that reality of cleansing by God. And I talked last week about the, how it felt to me. I remembered what it felt like to be cleansed by God in that moment of salvation. I talked about that last week. And how I felt, and I'm sure it's very similar for everyone else, how you feel the weight of the sin lift off your shoulders, so to speak, when Jesus comes in and cleanses you. It's like you have a freedom that you never thought you could have because of that cleansing. And that's what the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is. The Old Covenant, they still had that weight of sin, but they were just covered for a year. They were covered for a year. They were okay for a year, but they still had that weight of sin. They still had that, that you know, to, to make, you know, you walk around like this, you know, under the weight of that yoke of sin. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because he lifts the burden of sin and gives you an easy yoke. They didn't have that in the Old, Old Testament covenant. They didn't have Jesus' yoke to lift that burden of sin. They still had it. But because Jesus came and Jesus lived and Jesus lived a sinless life, and he died on the cross in obedience to the Father and was resurrected on the third day, we can have eternal life. We can have the promise of God. We can have this weight of sin lifted off of our shoulders. Now some might say, does that make us sinless then? Are we sinless just like Jesus? No. 
anybody knows me knows I'm not sinless. You know, we still sin, but we have a mediator. It says in here, he's the mediator. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. He's the only mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. When we sin, when we fall away, or when we, when we commit a sin, even if we fall away and we come back to God, He's our mediator. You don't have to go out and slay an animal. You don't even have to go and do penance. I grew up in a, in a main, main, mainline denomination, and if you sinned, you went to confession, you had to do so many things, so many prayers, so many rites, and so many things, and then you were absolved of your sin. Jesus says, he's the mediator. You go to him, and he lifts that burden once more. There's no, nothing you have to do except go to Jesus. He's the mediator. He says, where there is a will, there is a, there is a necessity of the death of the testator. So, if there's a will, there has to be a death. Jesus had to die in order to make the second covenant a reality. Jesus had to die. God could have said, I absolved them of their sin. They're right. They're holy before me. God could have just done whatever. But then God, if God wouldn't have given us free will, we wouldn't really have freedom. God wanted us to choose to love Him. God wanted us to choose to follow. And because we're given that choice, there had to be a death. There had to be. Jesus wouldn't have had to die if God would have just not given Adam and Eve free will. If God would have just told them and created them like robots to do what He told them to do, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But that isn't the way God works. God wants us to have, to have a choice to love him because if we, he would not have given us free will, we would not have really felt the true love of God. The true love of, of, of anyone, of anyone. I've got two kids downstairs. To really show love to your children, you have to give them choices, a choice. Recently, my kids are, are getting older, and so they had a friend over and two weekends ago, and they wanted to go to the park. The park's down the street and one street over and a couple blocks. I said, well, the three of you can go. Go ahead and go to the park. But I said, I want you to understand something. I want you to be back by a certain time. I want you to, if somebody approaches you, you scream like you're getting murdered and you take off running. I said, you know, be careful. There was three of them. They got up there and there was like five or six of them. I give them choices and guess what? They were back by 2.30. There was no fighting. There was no nothing. They just did it and, and I gave them that choice. They chose to obey me because I gave them the choice. If I would have told them, you have to stay here, I have to be there, or, or you know, you either have to stay here or I have to be there sitting there holding your hand, making sure you're not getting hurt, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What's going to happen when they get older? 
they're going to find that freedom one way or the other. They're going to find it. They're going to rebel. They're going to rebel. So God gave us true love by giving us the choice. That's true love. He really loves us. He loves us enough to give us that choice. And we have a mediator. We have someone who can go before God on our behalf. And we can go before God on our own. Remember what it said? The high priest is the only one that could enter once a year into the Holy of Holies. Once a year. And he had to bring blood to re, to, for, the, for his own sin and for the sin of the people. Not anymore. Not anymore. The Bible says that we can boldly go before the throne of grace like I said a few weeks ago, those two doors back there, imagine there's a throne back there and you're dealing with something. You can burst through those doors and say, Lord, help. Lord, I need you. You don't have to wait a year. You don't have to give an offering. Just go in. Just bust the door down and say, Lord, I need you. And he'll answer. And he'll answer. As we look in the book of Esther, remember the book of Esther. Esther bursted into the king's chambers and the only way she would not be killed is if he lowered his scepter toward her. If he didn't do that, she was goner. He lowered her sept his scepter toward her, sparing her life and hearing what she had to say. That's what God is doing for you and I today. He lowers his scepter toward us. So he wants to hear our hearts. He wants to hear our, 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 our times of pain. He wants to hear our victories. He wants to hear our praises. He wants to hear all of those things. That's the old covenant. The new covenant is so much better. The, the new covenant gives us freedom to worship God in the way that God intended. He goes on. He goes on and he says, So not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when Moses had taught every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and the people saying, "This is the blood of the new covenant of the covenant of God, the covenant that God has commanded you to keep." Likewise, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and the vessels of worship with blood. And according to the law, almost everything must be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, when he would go in, he would sprinkle the people. Sprinkle the book, sprinkle everything. And that was not a cleansing. Because what happens if you take, let's just say you take water with a little bit of red dye in it. What happens? Does it go into, like if I was to sprinkle this chair on the wood, does it soak into the wood? No. Not if it's got a finish on it. Right? Not if it's complete. It's going to sit on the wood. It's going to cover the blemishes on the wood, right? So that's what the blood of the bulls and goats were doing, just covering the sin. Jesus again says 
the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus, when we are, when he, when we have the blood of Christ on us, it goes from the inside out, not the outside. The inside out. And I like what he says here, for there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. There's still blood in the covenants. See, the old covenant was different, but the way of getting forgiven is the same. Still shedding of blood. But it's a different type of shedding. It's a different type of, of avenue that the blood takes for forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Jesus had to die. To bring about this new covenant, Jesus had to die. You know, I think about that. I used to think about that when I was a new believer. You know, I used to think, you know, I, I, would, I would devour the Word of God. I, I still read the Word of God, but when I first got saved, I would devour the Word of God and I would read the New Testament. I read the Gospels and I thought to myself, this little baby, you know, this little baby didn't, Jesus never did anything wrong. So why did he have to die for someone like me who's done multiple things wrong? And still does. You know, and I think about that, and I think about Jesus and the fact that he was sinless and the fact that he didn't have the sin in his life. He was sinless. He didn't disobey his parents. I would have loved to have a kid like that in my house, listen to you, everything you say, and do what you say. I'd love to have a kid like that in my house. But you know, Jesus was like that. Jesus didn't sin grew up and then he had to die for me. He had to die for me. He never did anything and yet he gave his life up for me. I've done so much wrong but yet here he is willing to do it. Willing to do it. And the great thing about that is the great thing about that is is the fact that he did it before he had it they had it all written in, in, in eternity past that it was going to happen. Prior to creation, the revelation says that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation. So before it began, God already knew that we were going to sin. God already knew Adam and Eve was going to sin. God already, God already knew what the enemy was going to do in the garden. And yet he gave him free will anyway. Yet he made, gave him free will anyway. And he made the way prior to creation. You remember that old song, God will make a way when there seems to be no way? God made a way before there was a way. God made a way. Amen? And he did that for us. He did that for me. He, saw, he sees me. He sees you. He saw you in the eternity past sitting right here on October 18th, 2020, listening to a sermon from a guy with a bushy beard, right? And he saw you, and he sees you, and he sees you at your worst, and he sees you at your best. And he said back then, I want you to, I want, I'm going to die for them. I'm going to die for him. I'm going to die for her. I'm going to make them right with me through this way prior so, so, so someone might ask well what was the point then 
of the sacrifices and what was the point of the tabernacle and what was the point of the, all of this? It was a foreshadowing of things to come. You look at the Old Testament and I, I, I learned as I, as I worked through the Old Testament that when you look at the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is a picture of Christ. You look at that. The ark, picture of Christ. Moses, the parting of the Red Sea, picture of Christ. When, when they had to make the serpent in the desert so that if people looked upon it, they wouldn't die, picture of Christ. Melchizedek, picture of Christ. All of these things were a picture of things to come. And the new covenant was the fruition of the Old Testament. The New Testament was a fruition of the Old Testament. So when we look at this in the book of Hebrews, we understand, we should understand, that what he is saying here is that Jesus was the thing to come and this was a picture of his sacrifice, his life, and the things that we can do now because he has given his life. You see? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. Without the shedding of blood, that still was the same. But it was a picture of his shedding, his blood. The lambs, the goats, the bullocks that were sacrificed, that God instructed them to do, they did it, they followed it. They didn't get it, even when Jesus was there. They didn't understand, and they still didn't understand. And there's some Orthodox Jewish people that still, to this day, don't, don't understand it, can't get it. But he was the fruition of the picture that they had been showing, that they were doing all those years of sacrifice. He's the picture. It's like if you take a picture... And you wipe, you can kind of see what there is, but you wipe the dirt away and you finally see what it is. That's what Jesus did when he came. It's like God had this portrait of perfection and he clouded it over for all the years of the Old Testament through the sacrifices, through the, through the shedding of blood. And when Jesus came and Jesus came to fruition, it's like God when he died and everything ripped in two in the temple and, and everything was, he was wiping away all the stuff that was confusing and saying, this is the way. And he says that today to you and I. This is the way. Listen, there are things we do in this church that we take rights. We took that this morning. We take communion in observance of Christ's death. We give offerings in the, in the offering plates. We do things like that. Can those things save us? No. Just like in the Old Testament, they gave offerings. They did the ordinances of the church. Those things did not save them. They protected them from God's wrath and God saw that as obedience, but true salvation comes through the blood of Christ. Adam and Eve sinned. Abraham 
sinned. We were watching, I don't know how many people have ever seen this, but we have both series at our, at our house. We have, um, we have the Bible and A.D., the Bible continues. We have both of those. We've been watching those. Abraham sinned with the handmaiden trying to hurry up God's plan. Right? He was righteous before God in his actions, but he was not truly saved because Jesus hadn't come yet. You see? Jesus was the fruition to all of this. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. He's the door. He said, I'm the door. I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, and truly, men had to have earthly mediators to be able to go to God. Now we have a heavenly mediator, an eternal mediator between us and God, and that's Jesus Christ. The fruition of this first covenant in the second covenant, the more perfect covenant, if that's even a sentence, perfect covenant, through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Now, does that make sense? I pray that it does. Next week, we're going to look at the rest of the chapter. Christ's sacrifice takes away sin. We've been talking about that a little bit, but we're going to go into the Scriptures next week and look into that. So if you want to read ahead, if you want to study that, take notes, look it over, pray through it, ask God to show you some things, do that, because he will. He'll honor that. You truly want to know him, he'll honor you and give you that knowledge. Right? So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Father, give us today and every day forward a hunger for your word and a thirst for your presence. Father, give us a desire to know you greater tomorrow than we do today and know you greater today than we did yesterday. Father, give us this desire. Give us this desire. Make a realization in our lives of this promise of a mediator, you, Jesus Christ. Give us this reality in our spirit. Lord, we pray that your spirit would bear witness with ours of the truth that is found in Scripture. Father, I pray that you administer to each and every one that's here today. Bless them by your Spirit. Give them peace. Give them joy. Lord, give them mercy today. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Is Jesus the fairest of 10,000 to your soul? Does Jesus, is he everything to you? Do you wake up in eager, eager expectation to what he's going to do for you every day? I pray that's the case. It's not the case every day, I'm sure, for any of us, but I pray that that's the case for the majority of the days, that Jesus Christ is the best thing in your life. The greatest gift you could ever receive is salvation. And we need to make sure that we honor that and we stay in that salvation 
Scripture says we are to make sure that we stay secure, stand firm and stay secure. We need to do that. Amen. We need to do that. May the Lord bless you today. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he turn his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.